Hello, friends. Welcome to this episode of The Proclamation, proclaiming God's light in a world of darkness and calling out to God's people to stay true to His Word. Hello, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm Gino Pice, and you're listening to The Proclamation. I hope this episode finds you well. And thank you for listening. We're just going to jump in to the deep. And I'm, as I talk about worship. True worship is a lifestyle of surrender to God with a humble acknowledgement that He alone is God and worthy of all that we are. That is, true worship is an awe and acceptance for who God is in truth and does not seek to change him into what we would desire for him to be like. Furthermore, true worship acknowledges that God alone is God. Thus, we willingly serve him and do not try to change the roles. That is, we understand that we are not gods for the true God to serve. Because of the fall, the hearts of people are proud and worship of God is tainted. People have the tendency to try to make God after their own fancies. They do not want to surrender to Him, but want their gods to serve them. Thus, people have, for the most part, lost the whole concept of what God even means. Throughout the ages, people have tried to portray God in ways that do not at all reflect His person, adding to worship ways that do not at all reflect his character or his ways. Even today, people often have a tendency to worship God in a way that suits their preferences, rather than really reflecting on what God prefers. Greg Ogden writes, First, we tend to form our own conceptions of God. All too often, we create a God who is simply the projection of the God we wish existed. We tend to create God in our own image. Fortunately for us, God desires that we come to know Him as He really is. Out of that desire to be known, God has revealed Himself in creation, in the life and history of Israel, in scriptures, and most completely in Jesus Christ. This leads us, however, to the second tendency of our hearts. We often suppress God's revelation of Himself. When God does reveal Himself as He really is, we either ignore what we see or repress it. We do this because of what God reveals about Himself. What we discover about Him is too much to handle. In much of so-called worship, the true God is rejected altogether and replaced by objects of stone, wood, metal, or even intangible ideas. However, some worship is polluted simply by adding various elements, tangible or intangible, to worship that God has not sanctioned. Typically, this is simply people adding their own preferences in accordance to their own likings or lusts. All this false and tainted worship the Bible calls idolatry. A.W. Tozer writes some sobering thoughts concerning idolatry in his book, Knowledge of the Holy. He writes, 
Let us beware, lest we in our pride accept the erroneous notion that idolatry consists only in kneeling before visible objects of adoration, and that civilized peoples are therefore free from it. The essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of Him. It begins in the mind and may be present where no overt act of worship has taken place. When they knew God, wrote Paul, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Then followed the worship of idols, fashioned after the likeness of men and birds and beasts and creeping things. But this series of degrading acts began in the mind. Wrong ideas about God are not only the fountain from which the polluted waters of idolatry flow, they are themselves idolatrous. The idolater simply imagines things about God and acts as if they were true. Perverted notions about God soon rot the religion in which they appear. The long career of Israel demonstrates this clearly enough. And the history of the church confirms it. So necessary to the church is a lofty concept of God that when that concept in any measure declines, the church with her worship and her moral standards declines along with it. The first step down for any church is taken when it surrenders its high opinion of God. In contrast to true worship is false worship. While false worship is indeed a form of idolatry, it is often more subtle. However, true worship is that which God accepts. There is worship that God rejects, even though the adherents might truly believe it is worship that God accepts. It is essential to look at false worship to help us understand what true worship is. It is possible for some to truly believe they are doing the right thing while others might not really care. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain represents both. Perhaps at first he truly meant to offer God an acceptable offering, that is, to offer true worship. However, God rejected his offering. Cain quickly reveals that he is not a true worshiper of God, because when God tried to instruct him, he only became angry. God even asked him, If you do well, Will you not be accepted? Then God gave him a warning. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Instead of adoring God and surrendering to him, Cain became angry, then later slew his brother. And why did he murder him? John the Apostle asks. Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. In the book of Leviticus, the Lord reveals to Moses and the Israelites how he wanted worship and rituals to be done. However, two of the sons of Aaron the priest attempted to do something other than what the Lord had commanded. We read, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer, and put fire in it, and laid incense on it, and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord, and consumed them, 
and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said, Among those who are near me I will be sanctified, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. In both of these biblical accounts, a high opinion of God was lacking. God was not revered as holy, nor was he appreciated as the creator of all things. Because of such lack of high opinion of God, he and his ways were both treated flippantly. Instead of surrendering to God's will and instructions, Cain, Nadab, and Abihu each surrendered to their own preferences of worship. They put their desires above God's desires. What is extremely noteworthy is that consequences followed. We must beware of thinking that because consequences are not as evident as then, that they are either less severe or no longer occur. Such flippancy still has consequences and can prove to be quite literally damnable. We will touch more on modern consequences when we discuss the issue of revelation. One of the misconceptions in false worship is that God accepts sacrifices, offerings, and rituals apart from repentance, from sin, and surrender unto Him. However, the scriptures are clear that God is not interested in sacrifices or offerings alone. In fact, the Bible speaks harshly towards sacrifices and offerings that are void of repentance and surrender. In his rebuke of King Saul, Samuel says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifices, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord says, What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. A second misconception of false worship is the belief that God accepts whatever we offer to Him. No doubt the attitude of the heart is an arrogant one which thinks God should be happy something is being offered at all. 
but God rejects such offerings and attitudes. Furthermore, God says such offerings are defiling and evil. Through the prophet Malachi, the Lord says, By offerings polluted food upon by offering polluted food upon my altar, but you say, How have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? says the Lord of hosts. This flippant attitude which thinks God should accept whatever we offer him is precisely the attitude of Cain and the sons of Aaron. A third misconception of false worship is the belief that one can come to God apart from the person and work of Jesus Christ. In the book of Hebrews, we read, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. And the Apostle John writes, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Although the revelation of Jesus Christ is not explicit in the Old Testament, the worship was still in connection with him and the rituals were symbolic of the redemptive work he would accomplish. In fact, Jesus himself says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is, that, it is they that bear witness about me. Up to this point, we have looked at worship that is unacceptable to God, but we have not looked much at what authentic worship is. In one sense, it is not possible to fully explain what worship is by mere definition because there are various aspects to worship that go beyond mere lifestyle and surrender. For example, singing, adoration, thanksgiving, etc. However, it is crucial to understand that part of true worship indeed entails lifestyle and surrender. It must also be noted that true worship begins by responding to revelation. That is, God reveals himself in some fashion, and the individual responds appropriately. However, as Ogden points out, this is often where people go astray regarding worship. God's revelation is too much, so people form their own conception of God rather than accepting and embracing the truth for who God really is. Thus, worship becomes false, idolatrous, and self-gratifying. A.W. Tozer writes, Men and women on this earth ought never to fool themselves about the reality of true worship that must always be in spirit and in truth. It is plainly possible to have a religious experience and forms of worship that are not at all acceptable to God. And later, Tozer writes, The stark, tragic fact 
is that the efforts of many people to worship are unacceptable to God. Without an infusion of the Holy Spirit, there can be no true worship. Millions of cultured, religious people are merely carrying on church traditions and religious customs, and they are not actually reaching God at all. Hello, friends. If you're enjoying this episode, it is actually taken from the appendix of my book, To Worship is to Obey, Songs of Worship and Devotion, available on Amazon.com. Purchasing my literature is a way you can help support this ministry. Thanks! While what Tozer writes might not seem related to Revelation, there are two things he points out. First, worship is to be done in spirit and truth. This comes from Jesus' teaching to the Samaritan woman. Elsewhere, Jesus teaches that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into truth. The Holy Spirit reveals truth, but he will not coerce people to accepting the truth. People are given a choice to respond accordingly to these revelations of truth or to suppress them. Sadly, when it comes to true worship, many choose to suppress the truth. It is here we will mention one of the consequences of lacking a high view of God and disregarding His will and instructions. Jesus tells His disciples, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In other words, revelation is given to people. When persons respond to revelation appropriately, then more revelation and understanding will be given. However, when revelation is given and persons disregard or try to change it, then even the knowledge of God they think they have will be confused and inadequate. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus tells his disciples, The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. In regard to worship, if what one thinks is being offered as true worship is actually false worship, what a great deception! What is being offered is a stench to God. It is extremely important that we seek to learn what God truly desires in worship. Again, true worship is not simply making sacrifices and offerings unto God, but rather is a lifestyle of surrender to God with a humble acknowledgement that He alone is God our Creator, and He is worthy of all that we are. This is not an easy task. True worship requires effort and sometimes discomfort. People deceive themselves when they think worship is always about having the warm fuzzies. 
True worship requires love. Love often requires sacrifice. And sacrifice often comes in response to obedience. Each of these can be quite uncomfortable. Yet each of these play a part in true worship. Referring to Joshua's worship of God, the Blackabees write, In Joshua's day, the worshiping God involved a lot of work. There were no church buildings, no Christian radio stations, no traveling evangelists. Worship services in those days were of the do-it-yourself variety. Each time God gave Joshua a victory or guided him to make a wise decision, Joshua would go to great lengths to build an altar and show his thanks. He would painstakingly gather large stones and build them into a mound. Then he would gather branches and sticks and offer a burnt sacrifice to God. Oswald Chambers says this about worship. Worship is giving God the best that he has given you. Be careful what you do with the best you have. Whenever you get a blessing from God, give it back to him as a love gift. Take time to meditate before God and offer the blessing back to him in a deliberate act of worship. If you hoard it for yourself, it will turn into spiritual dry rot as the manna did when it was hoarded. God will never allow you to keep a spiritual blessing completely for yourself. It must be given back to Him so that He can make it a blessing to others. Similarly, Larry Hart writes in his theological work, Truth Aflame, It is imperative that we reflect on the meaning and importance of worship. Worship is God's gift to humankind, not something we have invented. God is not some cosmic ego in need of constant strokes. In the final analysis, worship is for our benefit. Yet when we worship for the sole purpose of our own personal blessing, we subtly move away from worship. In view of revelation, response, and surrender, Hart goes on to write, In the broadest sense, worship is any proper response to the revelation of our triune God. He has acted in history. Have we studied this? He has spoken. Have we listened? He has written. Have we read? He speaks even now. Are we listening? To enter into a relationship with God through Christ in the Spirit transforms all of life into an arena of praise. We can literally do everything for the glory of God. We honor God with our lips and with our lives. Our individual daily walk, our family life, our congregational life, and our corporate worship are all important avenues for our worship of God. Hart touches on the importance of lifestyle and surrender unto God. Furthermore, he reflects on the importance of responding properly to God's revelations. The New Testament is not silent on the issue of life and worship being connected. The Apostle Paul writes, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And he writes in his letter to Titus, They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Too often it seems worship is equated with songs and emotions apart from everyday living and conduct. 
with the lifting of hands, with the tearing of eyes, and with the tingling of sensations, many profess to have genuinely worshipped, despite any sinful conduct performed previously and unrepented of. Others lift prayers with an array of religious rituals, thinking they are in the very presence of God, with no authentic thoughts concerning the desires of God. True worship of God and love for Him go hand in hand. Again, referring to the importance of revelation and response, Jesus says to His disciples, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine but the fathers who sent me. Before any singing and various expressions of what people tend to call worship, the beginning of true worship must be an obedient and surrendered life. If these are not a genuine part of our lifestyle, then what we think we are offering is not worship, regardless of what we are feeling. The worship is often a response to God's love and mercy, we must not lose sight of his person and attributes. When Isaiah responded to God's revelation, it was not simply in response to God's love and mercy, but also to his glory, holiness, and majesty. In fact, in Isaiah's vision, he heard seraphim crying out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We must not dismiss this revelation flippantly for the sake of delight in God's love. R.C. Sproul notes an important observation concerning this passage. Only once in sacred scripture is an attribute of God elevated to the third degree. Only once is a characteristic of God mentioned three times in succession. The Bible says that God is holy, holy, holy. Not that he is merely holy, or even holy, holy. He is holy, holy, holy. The Bible never says that God is love, 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 or mercy, 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 or wrath, 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 or justice, justice, justice. It does say that he is holy, 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 that the whole earth is full of his glory. Friends, I must come to an end of this episode, but we will continue in the next. I hope this episode has been a blessing to you, and I look forward to hearing from you through email. The Lord bless you. Friends, I hope you've been both encouraged and challenged. Send me feedback at gpproclamation at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me again. 
May the Lord bless you with his presence and revelation of himself. Amen.